I'm here sitting in my, my home in my bedroom in small Finley, Ohio, and I would put my life savings that I can beat Giannis in a three-point competition. I would bet my life savings that I can beat Giannis in a free-throw competition. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, listeners? The Sports Forecasters here. My name is Nathan, and we got Nick as well, the dual threat as always. What's going on, my man? Not too much, Ray. The dish you the basket and make some buckets, advance to the next round. That's right. Speaking of that, let's jump right into the NBA playoffs because right now there's just mayhem in the playoffs. Like, Blowing leads, blowing series, blowing knees out, just injuries and craziness is going on. So I just let's just talk series by series. I know one of the semis are over with, the Suns are done, but we still got news obviously in Phoenix. But let's turn to Eastern Conference. We just saw another classic Doc Rivers meltdown. Um, classic meltdown, you know, blowing games at the end, blowing series three to one leads. It's he's already blown three, three to one leads, you know, in a series in his career. Nobody has more than one. Um, so let's, let's start there. Sixers Hawks. Uh, give me your take, Nick. Um, I, I guess, what do you see going forward here? You know, cause we're forecasters. I don't want to talk too much of the past, but what, Based off what has happened, just what do you see going forward? What adjustments need to be made? Made, you know, what are the Hawks doing right? Give us, give us your take. Big takeaway from, uh, yes, we are forecasters, but to make an accurate forecast, you look at the past, and the past results have been very clear, especially this last two games. The Hawks are not afraid of the 76ers. They're not going to back down. They're going to keep coming at you, and they don't believe you have a four-quarter top scorer on your roster. And the, the 76ers have proven them right the last two games, games four and five. Down the stretch, the 76ers have double-digit leads, and the Hawks come storming past them and beat them down the final stretch because they cannot finish. And Beat is a great player, but he is not a great number one to be your fourth-quarter closer in a playoff series. It's just that apparent. You can't depend on Ben Simmons. He can be a defender, but he's a free throw liability out there. So as much as I kept trying to say 76ers can win, the 76ers can win, they have the roster, they have names, they have people. It just does not appear to be the case. 76ers are just collapsing. Like you were saying, it's a classic Doc Rivers formula here where you you have a close game down the stretch and you're just not closing it. You're just not putting it together, not calling the right plays. You're not putting your guys in the best position to be successful. 
there is a breakdown somewhere here and it's not being fixed. These last two games, like I've mentioned, double digit leads and you blow them. In a semi, at this point in the playoffs, yes, one time it can happen, but twice in the fourth quarter, especially tonight's game where you had a 20 point lead for three quarters of it, it's just baffling. I know it happens, but for this team that people, many experts were saying we're going to make or could make the final and possibly win an NBA championship, they are just not looking like it. They're looking like the lower seed in this matchup by the Hawks mocks and just getting after it. They're not backing down from these guys. But like I said, I just, at this point, I just don't, I can't see the 76ers winning. They're going in the game six here at, as of this recording. They have to win the these next two games in a row. I see the Hawks pulling it off at this point. I just don't think the 76ers can close it out. The Hawks aren't afraid of them anymore. And the 76ers don't believe in themselves. They shrink when it comes down the stretch. But that's my take. I think the Hawks win it now. What's yours, Nathan? Yeah, I don't want to play in Atlanta right now. That I mean, we saw Atlanta-New York series. It's crazy there. I, you know, I, I am a broken record. Um, I know I said this before. I'll say it again. Um, I, I was saying last, last episode, I'm like, these Sixers got to watch out for these Hawks because they're hungry, they're young, and they're healthy. And they looked fearless against the Knicks. And obviously they're up three two going back to Atlanta, and I agree. I just I think they wrap this up. Um, I just saw something here. The Sixers were up twenty four points with two minutes left in the third quarter. They got outscored by nearly thirty points in the last quarter. You know, last six, uh, fourteen minutes, just over a quarter. You're not a championship team when you blow leads. You're not, and that's what I said about the Bucks. It's just. The Bucks blew leads. I mean, they've been blowing leads, you know, against the Nets and like the two times already in this series. I think one of them they actually ended up pulling off the win, but they had a huge lead that they almost blew, and then this last game they did blow it. It's you're you're not gonna win a championship, best of seven series, if that is your identity of your team blowing leads can't secure the win or just a comfortable lead when just when you're the most talented team the more healthier team it's just it's just not going to happen and you look at Atlanta and Nate McMillan's the best coach in the league right now I mean I mean this Hawks team I mean they're all these players are playing in the playoffs for the first time minus Lou Williams he's the only one on that team that has playoff experience Nobody else does. I mean, this team has been foreigners to the playoffs for how many years now? And they would have been foreigners to the playoffs this year until Nate McMillan stepped in, took over the head coaching job, taking from 11 seed up to a five seed in a short period of time. And now they're, you know, they're one one away from the Eastern Conference Finals. It's unbelievable. He's got a young team looking like they've been here. And that's that's a sign of a great coach. And you got Doc Rivers coaching a 76ers team that looks like they haven't been here. And um, you know, a team with a, you know the likes of Embiid and Ben Simmons, who are both you know Embiid was an All NBA player. Both of them were on the All Defensive teams. So Hawks had nobody. Like nobody got any All NBAs, Rookie of the Years, Coach of the Years. None of it. 
So they get that respect. Uh, I I was sensing this possibility. Looks like it's coming into fruition. Um, yeah, Hawks Nets, man. I think that's gonna be that's gonna be the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm so happy for Nate McMillan. Um, I think he got snubbed in Indiana. Um, clearly, he was a valuable coach because they went from the four seed down to uh, the ten seed from last year to this year, and then Atlanta goes from eleven seed up to the five seed. That's a six seed difference both directions simply because of a coaching change. Uh, so yeah, and then Indiana has fired their coach already after one year. So they bet they wish they had Nate McMillan back. So, anyways, I know I was long-winded, but Sixers, Bucks, even the Clippers, I, you know, we'll get to them in a bit, and they've looked a lot better recently. But all of them just inconsistent, blowing leads. That's not championship-caliber basketball. So let's jump to the next one. I'll, I'll start this one off. Bucks, Nets. I'm. Where do we begin? Obviously, all-time performance um, there in Game Five for KD. Um, game six, uh, I believe is, is Thursday, um, which by the time you're hearing this, it'll probably be over with, but I do want to talk about the, the game five and it's just a classic bucks blowing a lead again. And, and the, the formula here is your best player, your best player has to be able to shoot the basketball, you know, Shaq and Orlando, you know, they made playoffs, but they, they weren't going to do anything because Shaq was their best player and he couldn't shoot. He goes to LA, plays with Kobe. He was the second best player on that team. Kobe was the guy. They won championships. He goes to Miami. He was the second best player on that team. Dwayne Wade was the guy. They won a championship. But when Giannis is the guy, when Ben Simmons is the guy, you're not going to win a championship. Like, I know there's a lot of variables of basketball, but I'm here sitting in my my home in my bedroom in small Finley, Ohio, and I would put my life savings that I can beat Giannis in a three-point competition. I would bet my life savings that I can beat Giannis in a free-throw competition. Even Ben Simmons. That's how much confidence I have in my shot over them, and I don't get paid... To tens of millions of dollars a year to play the game. I get paid nothing to talk about them. And so that's what's just so perplexing to me because like I think about other sports, football, like I I can't throw a football like Tom Brady. I mean, it's the basics of quarterbacking, throwing the football far and accurate. There's no quarterback I can think of in NFL college even my area high school <laughs> that I can throw better than their starting quarterback right same thing with running um, receivers running backs like they all do it way better than me the the basics of their position well the basics of a basketball player is shooting is is putting the ball into the hoop and the two-time MVP and the best player on the Bucks and the best player on the 76ers, I bet my life savings I can do do that basic part of basketball better than they can. And they get paid way more than me. I, that, that just perplexes me. Obviously, there's 
super more they're way more athletic than I am. It's fine. But it's shooting the basketball. It's a basic thing. It's what you do when you're five years old. So that's just my biggest take there. So my forecast is like these guys, Ben Simmons, Giannis, if they're the number one guy on the team, they're never going to get a ring. Because if you can do the basics of the sport and you're the go-to guy, you're going to see collapses like we see on uh, Tuesday and uh, with the Bucks and on Wednesday with the 76ers because when you have the likes of Kevin Durant or Trey Young who can shoot the basketball, who can carry their team and win in the clutch. You know, those are the people that I would not bet my life savings on in a shooting contest. So, Nick, anything you want to add to uh, my little rant there? Well, going into the series, we assumed the Nets were going to be healthy. They were going to beat the Bucks. What we also assumed was the Bucks were going to have some wrinkles, some things going on to slow the Nets down. And really, it's felt like the only thing that have slowed the Nets down are themselves. Availability, really. James Harden gets hurt 43 seconds in the game one. They still blow him out. Game two, they follow suit again. Game three, the Nets shoot the poorest they had shot all season, or at least score output-wise. They were the lowest, tied for their lowest points of the season. And then the Bucks, by the miracle of, I couldn't even explain to you, but in game four, Kyrie goes down around second quarter, and then the Bucks win. They, they, they had to fight it out at the end. Game five, you have the artist formerly known as James Harden, basically the Game five, the Nets play with four guys and James Harden's out there as well, moving around on the court. And I mean, kudos to him for wanting to be out there and trying to, I think, give the team spirit, be like, hey, we got to fight through this and everything like that. But I mean, ultimately, he was a decoy. But as the Bucks, you got to be looking in the mirror and being like, we're not even close. We've got to look at this and retool it because things aren't going right. Maybe they win game six, but the Nets aren't afraid of them. The Nets are confident they're going to win one of these next two games. Ideally, they want to get game six and put it away, which I fully anticipate them going out there and just taking care of business. Because the games that Milwaukee won at home were not by any convincing margin. And when there was a convincing margin, they just give it up. Because the Nets know where to hurt you. They're going to send you to line when Giannis touches the ball if it starts getting to the point where... They just need to slow. They need to slow your offensive output down, but you're slowing yourself down. Quite honestly, as the Bucks, it's you are putting around your star big men, Giannis in this case. You're putting around like maybe a minus, really B plus players around him that are shooters, and you're expecting them to be high volume scorers, and that's not the role they've ever had. And against a team like a net, the Nets, who are just going to shoot, they don't care. They're not afraid to do jump shots. They're not afraid to shoot beyond the arc. I mean, and you're seeing guys like Blake Griffin coming out of the woodwork and showing confidence. The Nets are just, they're putting themselves together. A lot better than what I thought they would when all these injuries started happening. When Kyrie went down, I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty much it. I think that the Bucks can take advantage of this, but the Nets keep, not gifting them, but the Bucks keep getting these opportunities to seize their moment, and they're not. Like we were talking about off air, this is the Bucks' probably 
best window to get through and get to the finals, but they just can't finish it. They can't close it. And so, like I said, the Nets are going to win one of these next two games. They're not afraid of which one it is. They Ideally, they want to get tomorrow done so Harden can heal that hamstring. Hopefully, they get Kyrie back, which I, based on the ankle sprain and every. No one has said anything conclusive, but I just don't anticipate him coming back unless it's like game three of the finals. Like not Eastern Conference, but finals. But we'll see. I mean, no one's saying anything about it. They're all trying to be hush-hush about injuries at this point so they can maybe get the one up. But ultimately, like you said, I think it's going to be Hawks and Nets at this point because these teams with the big men, 76ers, Embiid for three quarters will deliver for you. But that fourth quarter, he just... I, he just doesn't have a finish. And Giannis, you just keep him beyond 12 feet and you don't have anything to worry about. You'll take your chances. Like he's going to make around 33% of his shots at that point at best. So, I mean, you're not worried about that. If he starts to go down low, you foul him, send him the line and your opportunity to come away from that defensive possession without giving up any points is pretty high. So, Big holes for those two franchises, 76ers and Bucks, and the Hawks and Nets are going to exploit it, and they're going to be the ones in the finals. Long-winded answer as well. Sorry, but those they just got to tweak things in those franchises to give themselves a shot. Yeah, I want to add on some of that. Uh, tweaking things is a understatement. Um, taking the two-time MVP and making him a number two guy is more, <laughs> more than a tweak, in my opinion. It's just... Uh, but yeah, they, there's got to be changes made, and um, you know, people are saying, "Oh, the, the Nets don't have chemistry. These three haven't played with each other." It's like everyone's being riddled with injuries, but nobody more than the Nets. Like Jeff Green has been out for a long time. Comes, boom, scores 27 points. Kyrie's out. James Harden's out. It's it, James Harden. Listen, he didn't play in Game Five. It was KD and Jeff Green, and um, so. Anyways, it's just the Bucks have no excuse. They're completely healthy. They traded away, got Drew Holiday, got the, signed Giannis to Supermax. You're the two-time MVP, and you're gonna in the press conference. You're like Kevin Durant's the best player on the planet. Like you're the two-time MVP. That's what you're gonna say. <laughs> like you have to own it. You have to. Be the best player on the piano, Giannis. And, and, and he's just surrendering that already. It's like, yeah, you're you're not the guy. You're not the number one guy on the team. you got to think you're the best player. You ask Trey Young, he's going to say I'm the best player in the world. Like, obviously he's not. But you got to have that swagger. you got to believe it. And it's, it's just completely unbelievable to me. But you know what? At the end of the day, the last, what, 15, 10 years, 10 to 15 years, let's say 10 years um one of three guys has always been in the nba finals lebron james kevin durant steph curry one of those three have always been in the finals they're the best three basketball players in the world All right this year it's gonna be kevin durant so that's the way it goes man even with all the injuries they have chemistry um people just don't want to admit it anyways so let's move to the west uh, I think we uh, exhausted the East. Uh, let's move to the West. Uh, let's just quickly talk about the Suns. Obviously, they're advancing, but the news there is CP3 and the protocols. We're not sure what had happened at this point when this was recorded. Their speculation is because he went up into the stands. 
um, after the game, made it broke protocols there. I hope that's not the case because if that's the case, I have a long-winded answer for that. Um, so, but regardless, he's out. Um, I think this really changes perspective. What's your What's your initial take on on that news? My initial take is, I I just wish they'd be more forthcoming forthcoming with this information. Like, is it a positive test or what what was broken in the protocol to give us a better idea of how the series is going to go? Because as of right now, he's out for 14 days. So he's missing the first two, maybe three, depending on how long this Clippers jazz series goes. He's going to miss the first few games of the Western Conference Finals. And that's going to be huge for the Suns. He even when he. They were going against the Lakers and he had a shoulder that was injured. Him being there was important for that team to have their composure, to keep things together, to keep the offense moving. He is a facilitator. Not much different from a team we're going to talk about in a few moments with their other series where they're missing their facilitator. But for the Suns, this will be devastating news for them. Can they still be competitive? Absolutely. Um, will they make a few more errors than normally i i absolutely believe that and that's where i think that's going to hurt them if he's out for this full amount of time but what they did to the nuggets they i mean it's kind of similar to the east honestly you have this big Jokic is not anything like Embiid or Giannis at all he's more of like a dirk type player i guess would be the best way to play or for a very crude comparison but they were just they just took it to them. Like you had, you were missing your second best player and they exploited you for that. They took advantage of it and the Suns just ran them down. I wasn't expecting a sweep. I was thinking that the Nuggets could get a game or two, but the Suns said, no, close the door real quick. And now they're getting the rest. This is unfortunate news for them, but I guess if there is a positive side, their quote unquote injury is one. They know he's coming back at some point. They just got to figure out more information has to come out about that timetable. But for the Suns, they're rolling really high. Hopefully this time off doesn't give them too much rest in that first game, rust, too much rust in this first game. But we'll see what happens. What's your take on it, Nathan? They're the most consistent team, I feel like, in the playoffs. Um, from performance, from health stand, you know, health standpoint, they just appear to me to be uh, the, their consistency and and their 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 uh, focus um, to just doing things right and correctly. They're, I mean, they just take care of teams not out of pure dominance, but just they're just the most consistent team on the court, the most reliable, most efficient team. And so that that's why I just I think they're going to make it out of the West at this point. I think I said that last episode, but this this Chris Paul situation. Obviously, everything I'm saying is with a grain of salt because it's like. Who's out next, right? Oh, we haven't even got to the Jazz Clippers yet, and obviously there's big news there. Um, but it's you just never know what's going to happen. But if health is not an equation here, the Suns just look. They look amazing. They look great. And um, I said Monty Williams. He's probably second on my list of coach of the year, minus uh, behind uh, Nate McMillan. But James Jones, their GM is by far the GM of the year. The Jay Crowder pickup, um, cr the Craig pickup, that just 
they filled in the pieces where they needed to, and they they uh, you know got more depth on that bench. And so, and obviously adding CP3 was the the huge addition. So, I love I love this team, and I really now I really want to see Steve Nash and the Nets face against the Suns because we know Steve Nash has been in Phoenix for much of his career, and uh, and they 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 always were knocking on the door to the finals, but they never got through it. And so I just would love to see that matchup. I think it would be a really good. Really good for the NBA. Yeah, it would absolutely be kind of like one of those surreal things. Like I think the first game in Phoenix, he would kind of, he would get an ovation early on, but then it would be no good sportsmanship toward or no, I guess, welcoming anymore after that moment. But we'll see what happens if they get to that point. That leads us to our final series to talk about here: the Jazz and Clippers. Which, as of this recording, they have their game five going on right now. And currently the series is tied 2-2, but we received news today that Kawhi Leonard has a knee injury and could it could possibly be an ACL tear. They haven't confirmed that yet and could be out for the rest of the playoffs. Nathan, what is your take on this series? The Clippers, to me, are more the most talented. I mean, everyone thinks they're the most talented team because ever, all the time people are saying... Clippers to Clippers to Clippers, man. Like they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna come out of the West. They're going to come out of the West, but it's... You know, they just seem to always come up short. And um, now now without Kawhi <laughs> for the remainder of the playoffs, it sounds like. I mean, there, there's no chance. There's zero chance. And so I think Utah's just going to win by default. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly impressed with Utah right now. They're trending the wrong way. The first round was very good. Um, but, but now I, I, they, I mean, they don't have Mike Conley, another injury. Uh, but... Uh, there's they're not playing as efficiently and as effectively and as collaboratively as as the as the Phoenix Suns are and if those two match up I I'm gonna go with the consistent team um the one that has the the more more momentum and the more rest um not playing seven games in a series and so obviously Jazz called a break with Kawhi being hurt but it doesn't mean I've feel any better about them so missing Mike Conley's uh huge um but um I I still I still am putting my money on the Suns right now because I just love love how they're playing but it's just sad to see so many people injured and maybe they rush the season maybe they try to do too much this season you know and I know LeBron had mentioned this and um probably supporting him now in hindsight but it's like maybe instead of a maybe they should have really had an all-star break quote-unquote not games and skills challenges but say hey guys let's just take a week or two off from basketball because we kind of like shorten all season and crammed the first half in just to take a deep breath and recover and then we'll finish the season you know and i just wonder because we have a record number of all-stars injured in the playoffs um so I'm, I'm just really curious to see if all this that you know was a part of it and I mean, you think about it this way the two teams that had the least amount of rest the 70 days or whatever it was 72 days the heat and the lakers both were eliminated in the first round right they they had the least amount of rest the least amount to recover because they both made the finals and they both got booted in that first round you know, and 
just kind of watching them with, I mean, heat battled injuries all year. Obviously, the Lakers did. They just both looked just exhausted and just just done, just tired. So it plays a toll on it. Obviously, you know, this, you know, isn't what we want to see. But this is, at the end of the day, they get paid to play basketball. So whether it's hard or easy, it's, it's you know, they're, they're just doing their best to, to get as many games as is possible, whether whether you agree with it or not. So, um, so I guess this, I, I just think it's going to be the Suns Nets at this point. That's what I'm forecasting. Well, for this series, the Jazz and Clippers definitely took a swing when the news about Kawhi happened. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He is their best player on their roster. He is, and he may be quiet. He may not lead the way that many of us want to see an individual lead, but he they follow his example. Now, if I was to give the Clippers a personality, like or stereotype them into an individual, they would be kind of that moody teenager feel where, yeah, I guess we'll try. I don't feel like it today. That's how they felt last season. And this season, I thought they were going to shake it off, but they, they still kind of just can't believe in themselves enough or just take the opportunity or show this talent that they have. I'm not saying they don't have talent. I just feel like it's like, eh, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll be our best today. Nah, maybe not. It's just like, but now with this quiet injury, they're not going to go on. The Jazz are going to win this. I don't think the Clippers win another game. They're currently, at as of this recording, the game's five points. The Jazz are in the lead by five points. But I think the Jazz ultimately win. And if they can help it, they're going to keep Conley on the sidelines, let him heal up, and hopefully have him for that Sun Series. Because if he's not able to go for the Sun Series, it's going to be rough for Utah because they don't have that facilitator. And Mitchell is doing great right now. He's their driving force, and that's honestly the thing that's going to separate them from the Clippers right now. The Clippers just don't have that individual they can look to and expect to score consistently. So the Jazz are going to win in six games, in my opinion, at this point, without Kawhi being in, because Kawhi hasn't been one that's had a history to make it back from injury. But as serious as this, as serious as this is sounding, you can't hold that against them. You can't go by that past of, oh, he rests when he wants to rest. This, this is something that is completely out of his hands, and it's unfortunate. And yeah, there, there, there is more and more merit to the maybe they should have taken more time before starting the series, or starting, not the series, but the season off, or like you said, a bigger break in the middle of the season and not worry about an all-star game. Like You could have came up with something inventive, but it is what it is at this point. And just like the bubble, you got to deal with the circumstances you're you're dealt with. It's just unfortunate for the players, especially, and to a lesser extent, the fans, that we're not getting to see these stars with their teams battle each other and seeing the best possible matchups we can get. But I see the Jazz and Suns going against each other and depending on Connolly, it's I I keep saying seven game series because I keep hoping for these competitive matchups. And that one, I do, I do feel like it will be a seven-game series again. I'm, I'm going to keep beating that drum until I can't beat it no more, I guess. But it'll be a seven-game series, and in the end, I'm still going to stick with my guns of the Jazz. I think without Mike Connolly, they're just having a hard time figuring it out. But fortunately, they're going to get to the next round, and hopefully he comes back for them to have that competitive series with the Suns. So staying pat with the Nets going with the Jazz still, 
It sounds like, Nathan, you're sticking with the Nets still. All right. So one last thing we have going on this weekend. Uh, Nathan's making me go into another swing of trying to do a golf tournament again. And hopefully this time it won't be as embarrassing outing for me to pick three golfers that are going to do well. Just three that make the cut this time. That's all I want this time. So like I told Nathan, I'm kicking all my guys from the last time the curb. You guys were bums. I'm moving on from you. I don't even remember who they were, but it doesn't matter. So I'm going to go ahead and start off because I'm just coming back with a vengeance. And the first person I'm going to pick for my three is John Rahm. He got, um, no matter how you feel about it, it's unfortunate he didn't get finished the Memorial Tournament. He has been cleared to do, go back into this tournament, to, to participate in this tournament, I should say. And I'm going to think he's going to come out the He's going to come out to prove something, so I'm going to pick him as my first of my three golfers for this weekend in the U.S. Open. Who do you have for your first golfer, Nathan? I'm going to I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to go John Rahm as well. Uh, I was just looking at the odds to win it. He's he's number one. He's he's on a mission right now. And um, you point out to me offline here it's after his positive test, he had the two negatives, and uh, he's just he's just got to be so upset right now. So he's going to come out with a vengeance. I feel like uh, he he was he was playing remarkable golf at the Memorial. Um, so yeah, I I agree there. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll stick with that and and let's hear your second guy. My second guy is I'm going with Colin Morikawa, and just going with him because he's been on a hot streak in these big majors. He's been doing well, been placing in the top twenty in the last few that we've been doing. So I'm going to ride his hot hand and say that he's going to be one my second of my three. Who's your second? Oh, that was my pick um, last time. Um, I'm not going to pick him this time. Uh, I'm going to go with my boy, who I've been picking a lot. Um, I'm going with Jordan Spieth. I think he's got a real good shot at winning this. <laughs> um, um, I he's he's also been playing phenomenal golf, and so. Um, I like where he's at. He's one of my favorites. Uh, he blew a lead there a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, he's still playing really good. So I like Jordan Speed to finish finish very high in the U.S. Open. Who's your number three? Such a ringing endorsement, and that's who I had for my number three, Jordan Spieth. I'm going big this time. I want to do well. I want people that make the final cut, and Jordan Spieth actually is my third golfer. So that's who I have. Who's your third? I'm going to go with a, an Aussie here, Cameron Smith. I think this is who I'm going to go with. And... um a guy that is he he's really a hit or miss like when he's on like he's he's a top three um finisher or he could miss the cut so i'm just i'm crossing my fingers i'm gonna i'm gonna get this right but is camera smith the most goofy looking golfer i've ever seen google him up but this dude can golf man and i love watching him um so that's the only one we don't match on we got to pick a fourth can we pick a fourth? Because it's going to be between Cameron Smith and Morikawa. Oh, man. I was I was not prepared for this fourth one. <laughs> As we're unprepared for this, let's, um, let, let me go first, okay? And I'll try to talk as much as I can. So I'm trying I'm, – I'm really – I look at trends. So this is what – so the last winners, uh, you know, DeChambeau won it last year, ninth world ranking – Gary Woodman won it two years ago, 24th world ranking. Brooks Kepka won it 
18 ninth we're working so if you keep that pattern going you know the 24th you go it went 9 24 9 who's the 24th ranked player yeah it's jordan spieth so just keep that in mind um many many people ranked in the 20s world rank have won this thing the last 10 years um couple top two rankings have also won it so um, so I'm going to either get pick someone in the top two or three, or I'm going to pick someone ranked in the twenties. So I already picked Jordan Spieth. John Rahm's ranked in the top three. DJ still number one. J oh, we're not picking JT. We've already made that mistake. I don't, I don't like JT or DJ right now. We picked John Rahm. He's that guy. So I'm going to pick another, I'm going to pick someone else ranked in the twenties again. Um, one, oh Yes. This guy, the guy that ended up beating Jordan Spieth um, a couple weeks ago, Jason Kokrak. I'm going with him. He's my wild card. And as my impromptu wild card, I am going to go with, yeah, why not? Patrick Reed. I'm going to go with him. He, in the last big three big majors, he's placed well. He's been in the top 20. And again, trying to go for people that are going to make the cut. So that I'm going with Patrick Reed as my fourth wildcard individual. Um, just to kind of break the monotony of our initial three picks. So my question, Nathan, since you had me come up with a fourth one, what do you think the winner is going to have? What is it going to be their final score? Oh, okay. So I saw this video. Some golfer posted on TikTok. The rough looks like like uh, abysmal. It, the grass is so thick and long. He like he literally dropped his ball in the rough just it was just outside the green it was like green fringe and then like rough on the back side and he, he dropped the ball and it was just gone you didn't even see it <laughs> and he like flipped the ton of grass over and there was buried like two inches into the grass it's like it looks bad so it hasn't been played at Torrey pines in a long time and the conditions look bad so i'm not gonna expect any like serious uh good scores here uh oh gosh this is a good this is good i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with uh 12 under well the start things off the last few i went back and looked at us opens what the winner had and looked at the times in california and generally speaking with california with the exception 2019 it has not been a super high score just a quick look through uh it's been par it's been plus one it's been minus four or minus three or four something like that so in the past it hasn't been a tremendous margin it hasn't been a tremendous score under par that has won it overall so i looked at the weather next and the weather is supposed to be fantastic obviously course conditions are going to be what they're going to be so i wasn't going to go too astronomical so minus 12 is way higher than what i was going to go actually actually i'm going to go minus seven for mine i'm gonna go the winner's gonna be seven under par for this one just because it's beautiful weather and i just think with that in store and just kind of going by the history of things it hasn't been super high but i feel like the weather's going to play and i didn't look up the weather those past years when they were in california but i'm just going to assume with the nice weather the golfers the top ones are going to or the one that's going to win it is going to find a way to be in the minus seven I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's minus six range, six under par or seven under par. So, but I'm going to stick with seven under par as my final guess. 
Well, with that being said, folks, that's going to wrap up this episode, episode 19 of the Sports Forecasters. Next time we meet with you, we'll know who's finally in the Eastern Conference Finals as well as the Western Conference Finals. And we'll try to look at that matchup, see what we're seeing coming in. Maybe there'll be a game or two played at that point. Just depends when these series wrap up and then get things going. But with that said, thank you for joining us tonight. It's been Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll see you next time.